0: Hello and welcome to the I Am A Health podcast. My name is Amy and my name is Jenny. And today we're going to be talking about bronchiolitis. Now this is our Podcast for the Christmas festive season. Yes, so we're all feeling Christmassy. Tra- traditional way of
1: celebrating Christmas is obviously to talk about illnesses in children, especially bronchiolitis I'm sure you'll be ending this podcast feeling <laughs> ready to leap out into the season, full of joy, festive. as to what it may bring. Um, I don't know if it's possible, but we are talking about overlaying the theme tune with um, sleigh bells, but. Uh, yeah, you, you'll know already if that idea came to fruition or not. But <laughs> it was there, even if
0: it didn't happen. Yeah, if it didn't happen, if you could just imagine sleigh bells. I, I'm actually wearing antlers as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> the mince pies have been ordered. The mulled wine is ready. It's all happening. Yeah. And as we know, the key thing about Christmas for the health visitor is, of course, bronchiolitis. bronchiolitis. So <laughs> that's what we're going to be talking about yeah. today. Uh, so we're bang in the middle of the bronchiolitis season now. Usually runs from October to, um, I think they say March. You're making it almost sound like um,
1: kind of aspa- <laughs> asparagus season. Yeah. Oh yeah. You don't want to have you don't want to have bronchi baby before October. I mean they're just they're not ripe enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're it's... at their best
0: um, <laughs> oh. from from October to the the end of well I yeah. Still, beginning of March. I
1: I still remember working on the children's ward where there were um kind of. Key, really big cubicles where you could kind of fit two three babies oh. in at a time and having to do the whole moving over as to whether they were rsv positive yeah. or not and trying to keep them separated out and things it's like oh it's it's a it's Less. a really tough time of year in a and e as well you would end up literally running out of cots to put babies in so because much of it. the balance just would not be there of the age of patients
0: you're normally seeing and things there's so much of it and yeah. You know, I think that experience is very much reflective of the fact that most children by the age of two have contracted um, RSV, are RSV positive, have acquired immunity to RSV um, by the age of two, which is why bronchiolitis is diagnosed in the under twos. So it's exclusively the under twos, but commonly, of course, very contagious and caught from older siblings and you know so the classic is you go to a new birth everyone's full of a cold you think oh dear i'll give it a week and then i'll be back here <laughs> so yeah it's gonna have bronchiolitis um and there's really nothing they can do to prevent it because no. it's so contagious no. and also
1: it's one of those things where i mean i funnily enough in the last week i've had a belated new birth visit because the baby was admitted to okay. hospital yeah. bronchiolitis before i could even uh even get there mm. um and uh and yeah and it was a real typical picture that the baby had started off with a cold and it had just gradually worsened and they'd seen gp and because I mean, it's virus isn't it yeah. so there isn't any active treatment it's no good um parents jumping up and down demanding antibiotics and things for this because they're not going to do a job no. it's just that symptomatic treatment of yeah yeah and and reassuring parents actually what they can do at home but to look out for for signs of further respiratory distress that they are they are struggling because mm. then further action is is needed very urgently yeah absolutely um, but yeah for a lot of cases they are actually i should think for every one case that is actually seen or admitted to hospital Mm. there's probably a handful at least at least are
0: are actually at home and able to to get through it at home and i think quite a lot of health visitors experience will probably be in trying to keep these little ones out of hospital for as long as possible and trying to keep them at home through the course of the bronchiolitis i know that every every year i have two or three that i'm kind of visiting more frequently than i would be because i'm trying to keep them out of out of hospital i know they've got bronchiolitis and you know diagnosed by gp or whatever and we're trying to keep them at home really yeah. through that period obviously nobody wants to be in hospital but um not a nice place for to, for a tiny baby to be no. with mum so Um, that's often the experience i think in the community so maybe should we be defining it to begin with for people who don't know
1: um yes
0: yeah (laughs) definitely (laughs) just in case there's anyone listening in who's not come across bronchiolitis yet
1: so it's a lower respiratory tract infection Um, a lot of these sorts of coughs and colds are what we call upper respiratory tract Mm. where they are they're in the, the the throat and the upper airways the nose and things this however is actually properly on the chest mm. it's baby bronchitis mm. um where actually it's not the the bronchioles it's not that main tree trunk of the the branch of the lungs that is infected but actually the little tiny air sacs mm, the alveoli. and they, the alveoli are inflamed and this means it's much more difficult for the oxygen to be absorbed through the lungs into the blood supply. So they resu- it results in them working harder to get that. Yeah. Um, and you, know, you can understand that the risks immediately when you're talking about difficulty with oxygen mm. absorption. Because it means that they're working harder to keep the body oxygenated. Mm. They're using more energy up mm-hmm. and actually
0: getting less energy for that. That expenditure. Yeah, because it often affects feeding, of course. So, usually caused by the most commonly caused by RSV respiratory syncytial. Virus, sync tool,
1: sync tool virus. Okay. I've always said, yeah.
0: As we know, I'm excellent at pronunciation. So. <laughs> it's
1: it's another one of those that uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do a compilation at some point. Amy pronounces.
0: <gasps> yes,
1: we can make it a feature. <sighs> Just give me words to read. What's the six in one called again? No. I don't think we need to go back to that. Thank
0: you. <laughs> so so yeah, RSV. We're going to go for um yeah. most commonly, and it's it's very infectious it is yeah in an adult would be kind of a mild cold or in an older child would be a cold yeah. but for these little ones because their airways are so tiny to begin with um when they get inflamed it causes that much more trouble really so much trouble yeah mm. um and often when I mean, you mentioned
1: about feeding that's one of the earliest signs typically that they're a yes. bit off colour um you might have a baby who is a bit more sleepy than normal mm. and maybe not so keen to feed we actually have a lot of leeway when it comes to feeding with babies mm. i think the parents are very quick to be aware of a feed being shorter than normal or if they're formula fed them not taking as much formula as normal in one go mm. um but actually we do say if they if their songs they're taking around about 50 yeah. percent or more of their normal feed then that's an okay sign that's a sign they're not doing too badly and what often happens what we often need to consider is the fact they're probably going to need shorter feeds more frequently Mm. I always relate this to a Sunday Sunday dinner situation. It's funny because we are actually recording this on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> um, but unfortunately, we didn't ha- manage to have a big Sunday lunch no. before doing this. Sadly, missed out on. But that. it's that thing when you have a big Sunday lunch and your tummy's really full, you feel really puffed out. Yeah, because it's actually putting yeah your stomach's Squashing full your and it's putting lungs that yeah you know, so yeah you can't stretch your lungs out as much as normal, and so with bronchiolitis, it if you have a regular full feed again. Your lungs are working so much harder they're possibly not fully closing as much as they would be normally mm. the tidal um, volume goes um, changes so that they actually are able to keep their lungs a bit more
0: open than they would be normally um, and I and guess as well the, um, the the actual process of breastfeeding often can be quite yeah it can puff them out and yes. it can be quite hard work for exactly, them Exactly, and so exactly. especially breastfed babies, their feeding does go down yeah. And so what you want to be doing is doing these shorter, more frequent fees and
1: encouraging parents and reassuring them that that doesn't mean that things are going to go to pot with
0: the feeding no um, it doesn't you? mean they haven't got enough breast milk no or that breastfeeding isn't going well it exactly. could just be that this child's got a bit of a cold or has got bronchiolitis possibly yeah. and that's the reason and it's something to be wary of I mean there's
1: a lot of stuff on the um, on the Heart Mummy website about breastfeeding in the hospital yeah. and if we have got mums who are breastfeeding who are going into hospital with poorly babies it could be worth citing posting them towards that information so that they're in a position where they can actually um, sort of help ensure that the continuation of breastfeeding is put forward because often we do have it where they're very you know they can be quite quick in hospital sometimes to look Mm, at doing ng tube feeds looking at using formula and being very concerned with the volumes the baby's taking rather than how well they're tolerating it and things there's some tips for for mums to be a- and parents to be able to look at you know, if they are wanting to continue the breastfeeding journey mm. to ensure that there is some some sort of advocacy mm. for mm. them on that because it can feel it's like you know you don't want to challenge things too much mm. and things but
0: it can be quite a difficult time for, yeah, for mums during that and I think lots of health visitors will probably have be having the experience of having babies who either have gone into hospital with bronchiolitis um, and come out and maybe have dropped weight while they've yeah. had the illness. Yeah. Maybe mums are very anxious, maybe they might have had some difficulty breastfeeding while they've been in hospital, some of that, especially since it's often in the very, very young babies this happens yeah. you know the peak time um we found from our research was one month um, and it most commonly one of the high risk factors for bronchiolitis is uh, preterm birth of course yes. yeah. so there's quite often lots of little premies um, yeah. that are only a few weeks old kind of being admitted to hospital long before really before breastfeeding has been well established and that can have a negative impact on their feeding. And the illness in itself can have an impact on their feeding even without any difficulty in terms of energy feeds and formula and then yeah. that can cause oral aversion and all those types of stuff. So yeah. um, I think it's really important for health visitors to support breastfeeding following any admission if the mum is breastfeeding to have that conversation with mum about how they feel breastfeeding might have changed is there anything we can do to support you how are you getting on now where would you like to be you know those types of chats um because it could be that there's some extra support they need after being discharged So, around um, very common, as we said, around one in three children will have bronchiolitis in their first year. Yeah. So, very, very, very common. Yeah. Um, and between three and six months, very, very common again. Um, by the age of two, almost all infants will have been infected with RSV and up to half of these will have had bronchiolitis. So hugely common. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, only about 23% do get
1: admitted to hospital. So yeah. that is like, you yeah, well over three-quarters so will end. actually have had the infection and have been treated at home yeah, been fine. and been fine, had a few days off
0: colour and things. So in terms of the low level, because I guess the majority of what health visitors are seeing is that low level. And yeah. I think what's really important is for people to feel confident in being able to distinguish, okay, when is this um, a low level, yeah. bunged up, snotty baby yeah. that may or may not have bronchiolitis? That we can manage at home, yeah. and when is this needing to be signposted to a so, hospital? So, so I will often talk
1: through parents, and and this comes back from my sort of yeah you know, my A and E days as well, where yeah. I would be advising parents who were going home with a baby with bronchiolitis on what to do, and so it's yeah if you think about it, looking at them from the top of the head down, yeah, what you're looking out for is um, obviously you're considering how the baby is appearing, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, are they appropriately alert. Are they aware of where they are? Are they looking, re- or are they really looking zoned out, floppy, knocked off, floppy? Yeah. And on the whole, yeah, they are, yeah, babies are very resilient. They yeah. really
0: fight hard. You have a very poorly baby if they're really floppy. And that's an A and E, that's a 999. Yeah, if you definitely. see a floppy, blue, lethargic yeah. baby in the house, then yeah. that's, that's don't even bother with the no. GP for that. That's straight to A. So, so
1: next off, yeah, I mean, the babies often sound very snuffly and things but actually a really good sign to look out for um, is is if the nose, the nas- if there's nasal flaring, is the nose yeah. flaring as they're breathing. Yeah. And that's actually something which you know, they can't even control that they're doing because they're trying to get more air in, trying to get more oxygen down into the lungs. Um, also, what goes on with that, Yeah, you know, you're looking, as you mentioned, I know some things looking at the colour of the lips and everything mm-hmm. as well. Also, yeah, if the baby's slightly older, there may be a little bit of posturing,
0: yeah, or even bobbing. with
1: yeah, maybe with younger babies, yeah, the head can bob. There's tracheal tug mm-hmm. under the chin, looking for that bit sucking in, um, in the neck. Um, and these again are signs that there's considerable effort going on. I would be very wary if I did a home visit and the baby was showing, or baby coming to clinic and they were showing these signs. I would be yeah. encouraging the parents to seek some quite urgent attention. Definitely. Um, also, there's the thing where they just, they don't like being handled. You know, they kind of get to a position where they're actually feeling vaguely comfortable with breathing. Mm. And it would often be being held a bit upright, upright in yeah. mum's arms or mm. dad's arms and just not liking being laid flat and not liking being moved around. Mm. You know, normally, yeah, you, know, you can't, it's difficult to hold a baby in one position for a while. You do find yourself moving them around and mm. things. Typically babies don't mind this, but if Mm. they're really sort of seeming to be quite stressed by it and things, that's again another sign they're working hard.
0: I think um, really... Lots of work of breathing. That's almost yes. the first thing I yeah. look for. If yeah. mum's telling me baby's got a cold, yeah. the first thing I want to do is strip them down. I want to have a look at their yeah. chest. What's going on well, on you their see where Well, we've got to the,
1: the neck so far. Yes. So all of this bit can be done
0: without even, even stripping them. They strip yeah.
1: them. They'll be done with baby in mum's arms and things. Yeah, And then obviously, you, know, you, you are stripping them down. You're looking at the chest. You're looking for recession, mm-hmm. um, whether it's intercostal or subcostal. Mm-hmm. Um I think if you get to the point where there's sternal recession, you're in really serious trouble. and That would be where I'd then be getting my phone and dialing 999 for the parents. Um, But, yeah, and also looking at the rate and the speed of the breaths Mm -hmm. and just checking that they're even. You know, very young babies do sometimes have uneven breaths. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you're looking out for those really long pauses. And, yeah, if you're at the point where you're thinking, oh cripes yeah that's like yeah are, are they actually having mini apneas and things yeah then again that would be an, an ambulance an A&E job definitely um and it's something where it's, it's easy to talk through with parents about this as well and to give them those boundaries of it's okay at this point to be worried it's yeah. okay to be taking that next step yeah because you know much as there's so much talking to press about A&E's being badly used and being overused and things there is such a big cohort of people who when they would come in they I'd have it several times a day where they'd go I don't think I really should be bringing my child in Mm. but Mm. and you could always guarantee that the guys who were already apologizing were the ones who really needed needed to to be there there. Mm. because actually there had been very careful consideration of why they were going in and what they were wanting to see and things.
0: And I think if any health visitor is going into a home where there's a baby who's working hard to breathe, in sense of having work of breathing, um, we'll post a link to a YouTube video um, which will give you a really good... Picture of what to look for for yeah. anyone who's not PEDS trained or doesn't have PEDS experience yeah. and kind of wouldn't feel confident. But essentially, it's those muscles in the chest sucking in with yes. each breath. Yeah, and it really does look like they they're working hard. I mean, that's yeah, the yeah, phrase yeah, yeah. And if you're seeing that, really, they can't keep that up for very no. long. And we know that children compensate and compensate yeah. and compensate, and then they struggle. You know, quite you know, suddenly, you know. So. Really
1: funny. Th- it
0: sounds really odd, but something which. I often recommend
1: doing for mm. parents is looking at copying what they're seeing. So oh, Amy's yeah. now doing it. So if you see a baby yeah, a working idea. really hard, you can like almost see their ribs as they're breathing in now. Do that yourself. We're doing that Feel now. Feel those it's muscles not, going in. Yeah,
0: and that's really. Like, and you immediately in hard. see
1: your your shoulders are rising and you're working a bit harder. And I'm fe- I'm sounding really funny because I was actually doing that yeah. and same with the coughs. yeah yeah yeah. if you hear uh a kind of a sort of (coughs) yeah cough oh that's very high up in the throat whereas (coughs) 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 that's much lower in the throat and you're immediately getting that picture of okay so i now know where that is where that sound is cut is like that because it's coming from down here and oh if it's coming from down you know around your larynx that could be some inflammation and you know it's that kind of it's that sort of thing of Sort of reassuring, and also it's sometimes reassuring if it is just sort of they're making a bit of noise and whistly because they've got a bit of a, a bit of um mucus. mucus or they've got a bit of um swelling in the nostrils, then again, sounds it's that reassuring so It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds very <laughs> different to yeah.
0: you know, or sort of feels very different as well. Yeah, that's um, a good idea asking people to yeah. feel that sensation of sucking yeah. in because it does feel like you're working hard actually. Yeah. And
1: and I think it's yeah, uh, you know, it's often a case where we might not know that someone's been into A and E until we get the A and E form through and things. Yeah. And actually, I think it is something where it's an important one to do, at least telephone follow up with the parents afterwards. Yes, definitely. Because I think often the the babies are fine, the yeah, you know, their feedings typically getting back to normal and things, but actually, you know, for parents, they all there's always with that worry. I think especially when a baby comes into hospital and it becomes, maybe it appears more poorly Mm. while they're there and things, there's always that worry of, well, did I act quickly enough? Was the right care given to Mm. my baby and things? And just to be able to sound them out on this and listen to them and be able to give a bit of explanation, because it's one of those things I realise more and more in the community. In A&E, quite often, there's not the time... To explain to parents fully about what's happening, why it's happening, and things. Yeah, rationale necessarily for everything. And so it's always a bit, a little bit retrospective, but I think if we explain to these parents properly what happened and ensure they're aware of what happened to things, first off, it improves their confidence Mm -hmm. in being able to use services again Mm -hmm. and to feel that correct care and attention was paid. Also, that thing of that is that peer-to-peer support. If mm. you have a well-informed parent, who then has a friend going through a similar thing, mm. they can then give some short reassurance mm. and advice and support, and gradually it becomes sort of you know, more common knowledge. Mm. Um, and is I think there's of... Sort of that it, there is that thing. You only have to look at the popularity of things like net yeah, and you know on Facebook, there's various local mum groups and things. And I think it's sort of, yeah, there is a real value in ensuring we have well supported, well sort of well explained to parents yeah. to be able to pass on sort of knowledge as well.
0: Yeah, and that is that community capacity building really yes, is, is what definitely. you're doing, isn't it, as a health visitor? Definitely. So if you go into a home and you see a child who you think you can see some work of breathing on their chest, they sound like they're breathing more quickly. They've taken less than half the amount they usually do in the last two or three feeds. Or they've had a dry dry nappy for 12 hours or more. They definitely need to be seen urgently. So I would either, depending on the level of how worried I was, you know, if I've got a child that, like you say, there's nasal flare, there's tracheal tug, there's loads of recession, there's dry nappies, there's poor feeding, I'd probably skip the GP and just go straight to A&E with that one. If there's one that you're wondering, okay, we may be able to avoid A&E, this may be lower enough level right now for us to avoid, then be seen by the GP, but that day, that same day. yeah. And I have been known at times in this situation to actually call the GP from the home and book an appointment for that month yes. there and then yeah and then you know you make sure and then you can follow that up yeah um, I think it it might not always be something like bronchiolitis but I think we've all had
1: situations where we have we have done that kind yeah. of right we we need We're to you see your GP yeah.
0: straight away um and of course was there anything else you wanted to say about kind of identifying? Well, I was thinking about, it. Sort of, I think, I think
1: the, the dry nappies thing is my yeah. my big thing. Because, um, of course, dehydration is the yeah. danger, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think it would be the, um, I think sort of the, the dry nappies would be definitely the thing where I would be um, wanting to, to get them to seek help yeah. as soon as. Um, I think also the key things to go through, and it's part of sort of maybe what we need to look at, um and new birth visits if we are visiting um prem babies mm-hmm. or um if there are any predisposing factors so if they have maybe uh laryngeal miglazia It sounds like Laryngo- some sort of Malasia. italian singer or something <laughs> <laughs> it does <yeah>. laryngeal malaysia <laughs> or, or trachea malaysia or any any kind of sim- any yeah. problems like that or um, i think we problem. need to yeah then i think we need to really um, sort of reinforce for parents about hand washing mm-hmm. about not smoking near the baby yeah. about taking the you know keeping babies away from pe- from anyone with colds and flu and things if you can yeah um, it is that classic thing where it's like the whole yeah auntie jo says oh i really want to come and see baby i've got a bit of a cold but it'll be fine i won't hold him yeah and you're like well
0: Maybe Auntie Jo could come next week when exactly. her car's a bit better. <laughs> exactly.
1: Because even if Auntie Jo's not holding him, if she gives. Yeah, you cough or sneeze give, give, on the surface. Yeah, or gives it. little brother a big hug and kiss, and then little brother comes over and sees baby again. Yeah. yeah. Then
0: it's like. It's, I think. For, for, for people that live in the home, you can't really avoid it. No. You're going to catch it. Yeah. But it's trying to limit yeah. contact with colds and flu from people. And it, it's okay. quite, I think it, it's one of those things where, where, although
1: we haven't got rates of it, I think we would find rates of bronchiolitis in breastfed babies are a lot lower than those in bottle fed babies yeah. because you get those antibodies from mum yeah. and especially if mum and baby are together which obviously breastfed babies especially they are together most of the time mm-hmm. so as soon as one comes into contact with yeah, as soon as baby comes into contact with a, a bug mum's likely to come into contact with it again, and that next breastfeed has antibodies. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing, amazing thing.
0: Yeah, that's true. And breastfeeding is um, is one of the protective factors for bronchiolitis in terms of lowering risk. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of identifying it, signposting where to send people. Um. In terms of treatment then, Jenny, so this, this baby turns up in in a and e there isn't a huge amount we can do because bronchiolitis is a viral infection it's self-limiting so meaning that without any treatment it will go away on its own usually within two or three weeks yeah most within two weeks
1: so the the key it's that symptomatic treatment Mm. so if their oxygen saturations are low then they need to have oxygen now that can be through a variety of ways um it could be through um the nasal cannulae. Mm-hmm. The cannulae cannula. I never quite know. Yeah, there is cannula, yeah. I think, possibly. Um, but again, yeah, you have a very low rate. I mean, we're looking often they only maybe even need point one or point two of oxygen. Mm. Um, in the baby that I talked about earlier, it um, actually needed CPAP. Okay. Um, so that is where you have a a kind of it's, it, I'm trying, it's, like it's almost mask, like a ventilation it's kind of ventilation, of ventilation where it actually is um was it positive expiratory mm-hmm. flow pressure. isn't it pressure mm. so um it literally pushes oxygen into the no- oh, yeah, through the airways to actually keep those airways open yeah even when they're breathing out
0: which helps reduce the effort they have to put in and that would be a intensive care yeah um, or, or at least or critical critical care yeah, high dependency intervention. yeah so really this can be very very serious oh it can yes you know, it can yeah, be yeah. very babies mild do, but can also yeah be babies very
1: babies do get intubated i can always guarantee yeah um that yeah you imagine if you look at our local children's right PIC, now, yeah yeah, yeah there, there will be babies there with are
0: probably a good proportion of babies with bronchiolitis mm-hmm. on there already Um, so they may need oxygen or they may need some ventilatory support at the very high end they also might need feeding support so in very severe cases we'd be looking at using
1: iv fluids initially Mm -hmm. Um, but they may also um, look at having an ng tube down Mm -hmm. and obviously ideally using express milk or if they're on formula anyway then using the formula milk and gradually titrating that and trying to encourage normal feeding along beginning to encourage normal feeding alongside mm-hmm. the formula or the them not the formula sorry along just the NG. encouraging normal feed normal feeds alongside the ng tube yeah. and gradually keep moving them I think it's one of those things where it can often happen and due to bed pressure and generally and also yeah. just the fact that you don't want babies in hospital for longer than they need to be yeah it can sometimes happen where the ng tube can be coming out and then they're home what feels like very quickly afterwards but there is also you know typically signs that yeah when they're on the up they do do start to get better very quickly
0: yeah definitely um children get sick very quickly and then get better very quickly and i think that's a really important message actually for Families who have a child with bronchiolitis, if you as a health visitor can say, well, actually, we know a lot about bronchiolitis now, we know how it works, we know that it's self-limiting, and we know that within two or three weeks, it will be completely cleared up, even without any treatment yeah. so that's reassuring for families to hear because when they're in the middle of this it feels endless and it's exhausting yeah. and awful and everybody's tired and probably snotty with the cold themselves yeah. so just generally feeling really yeah. worn down and if you can say to them look this isn't going to go on forever we know no. that this will end and fairly soon yeah that's helpful in itself yeah. sometimes i mean i think it's that
1: thing where it can sometimes be a case so if you're prone to bronchiolitis you may get it more than once that's true you, so it's possible to get bronchiolitis it's, once in it's the same very season. possible yeah. to get it you know a few times but again it's that thing where you know sort of you'd hope each time they're building up a bit more resistance towards it mm. and that actually in the longer term run then you know by the over two you don't really see it they, they no, get coughs the, and cold over two it isn't bronchiolitis yeah so. but it's it's kind of a much less severe illness and often they end up building up very strong immunity yeah um and it's yeah. just a case of it's just that thing of getting used to all the different bugs that they can meet
0: yeah and and i suppose as well rather than so much the immunity the kind of It doesn't affect them in the same way when they're older. So, like their their lungs are different; they've got bigger airways to begin with. So, a little bit of inflammation in their airway isn't as dangerous as it would be in a teeny tiny one. And also, it's just important to know is that, like, they get a bit older. They they
1: they're not like us. They don't realise when they're ill. They should probably take (laughs) to their beds and not use up any energy um and i i speak having had my yeah my youngest uh, had croup the last week oh, gosh. and it was that thing where he was yeah oh, waking up in the morning running, running around burning off all his energy and slumping mid-afternoon oh, kind of just being completely sort of floppy and forlorn Blessing.
0: um and it's just because he just doesn't realize to to moderate his energy so trying to support with feeding and things like that, and yeah. once they're they're on the up and the way out of the illness, trying to support mum around yeah. feeding, getting back into those kind of patterns that she'd started yeah. to try and establish before. Yeah, I, RSV think, I think threw everything fact, I, well,
1: off. I think I think it's just one of those things, where where you know, especially with younger babies, there's always going to be something that throws it's any true. any pattern that you think you've got off, <laughs> and so to be relaxed, but also to really ensure that you give them that time to recover. Mm. I think, you know, especially if you're, you know, someone who's going back, you know, if they're looking at using childcare and things from an earlier point, then it's that thing you do have to sort of reassure them, but also explain that, well, this is is sort of -of run-of-the-mill stuff. And actually, you you need to to have, you know, not rush them back into childcare, Mm. not be rushing back to work. It may take a Good, sort of, yeah, few several days to be able Mm, to get them back up to speed and things, and that it it can be a false economy rushing back out because you can
0: often end up with them becoming poorly again very quickly. Something new, yeah, a new bug catching you while you're down, yeah. Okay, um so that was a little bit about bronchiolitis and RSV. There is one thing that we haven't mentioned, which is that for children that are at very high risk, so or for whom bronchiolitis would be particularly dangerous, so children with cardiac problems or established lung problems, or children that are very preterm, so more than thirty five weeks. Yeah. Um earlier than thirty five weeks gestation, there is a vaccine available. And this is a vaccine which can be given it's a six-injection series, so they start it at the end of October, beginning of November, and right. then they give a monthly vaccine, and it's quite often given to very premature babies. Right. So I've had a couple of very prem babies on my case later that have had this vaccine. Oh, I see. Um, and the idea is to try and prevent them yeah. catching it yeah, yeah, in that season. Yes. Um, because it is a season, so yeah, yeah. we know that once we're through kind of February, march we're we're on the way out really and we're not going to be coming across it as much so yeah most of this time this is the neonatal units that are identifying Mm. the need for it and i think very preterm babies the ones i'm thinking of certainly they were still under the care of the pediatrician so that was fine and they were picked up and, and aware of it um but you know if there's a health visitor out there listening who thinks oh i've got so and so on my caseload who was born more than 35 earlier than thirty five weeks yeah. and you're not sure whether they've been offered this vaccine, it's worth asking yes. the mum yeah. and maybe a phone call to the GP to see whether it's something that can be offered. Um if they haven't started it at the beginning of the season, it's still possible to start it midway through, but okay. they just wouldn't get all five doses. So no. you know you get them once per month yes. from November through to the end of I February. See. So if you start it in December or you start it in January, you would get just one or two or three three doses rather than the full thing but it gives you a little bit of protection Um, so quite important and you know certainly worth having if you can have it if you're eligible for it yeah so anything you wanted to add about bronchiolitis get your mince pies ready people i
1: was gonna say yeah i think
0: (laughs) it's one of these things where obviously
1: yeah let us know if you listen to this and there's anything that you didn't know already that you found out and found useful or equally were hoping to find out or hoping that we'd say and we didn't then do let us know you can email us um, I am a health visitor at gmail.com we have a Facebook page mm-hmm. um, I am a health visitor and we are on Twitter which is at I am a hV yep, and yeah and we indeed. are very eager to to yeah. hear from you also you know if you haven't already please subscribe to our podcasts and also you know please rate and review us um, it's really really useful getting feedback um we know that we have listeners out there and you all seem to be a shy bunch so uh, <laughs> please please do please do rate like us because even even if you think oh no but i'm gonna say that i don't like this or i don't like that then let us know because yeah, we, know. we can we can then put it right or uh, address it and work to uh, make this something that you're finding even more useful
0: definitely i think um the more we hear from you the better really yeah. and anybody who's got any stories of children who they've had on their caseload where they've had bronchiolitis and they've been involved with it, get yeah, they want to post about it on our facebook page or tweet us about it yeah. um, that would be great yeah um any other requests for topics we're it's happy there, to receive yeah. them
1: And so as we said at the beginning, this is our last podcast before Christmas. We're going to (laughs) have a tiny break in putting podcasts out over Christmas because I don't think anyone really wants one of our podcasts on Boxing Day. Um, So our next (laughs) podcast won't be coming out until the 2nd of January. But in the meantime, if you're off over Christmas, have an amazing time. If you're working between Christmas and New Year, as I know I am, (laughs) then hey you know at least we're going to be getting to go to houses with Christmas trees up and things yeah Um, put your Christmas jumper on and and it's that thing where I know I know we're going to be looking at our our new births coming in through the gaps in our fingers wondering how on (laughs) earth we're going to squeeze them all in but it will work we will get there so enjoy your Christmas period everyone yes
0: (laughs) have a lovely holiday and we will see you in the new year yeah (laughs)